Just to let you know, I got a book coming out, not soon. It's coming out in January of 2024. It's called No Worries, How to Live a Stress-Free Financial Life. And I will, it's not, you can sort of pre-order it. You can pre-order the Kindle version. I, I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm just seeding this, okay, in your mind. And when the pre-order link is available, then we'll talk about it in more detail. But this book is revolutionary. It is going to change the way you think about your money for the better, for the better. And it's going to bury all those other personal finance books, all the ones in history that people read. It's going to make them obsolete. So it's, it's a revolutionary book. Highly recommend you check it out. It's called No Worries, How to Live a Stress-Free Financial Life, because that's what this is all about. So, as I've mentioned many, many times before, I did not grow up with a lot of money. I grew up in eastern Connecticut. A lot of people, when they look at Connecticut, they're like, man, that's a rich state. Well, it kind of isn't, actually. Like, the little panhandle down in the lower left-hand corner, that's the rich part of the state. And the stuff that's east of the Connecticut River uh, over on the Rhode Island side is actually... Not rich at all by any stretch of the imagination. It's a very, it's very poor, you know, and it's been this way forever. It's it re really has. So uh, I lived in Eastern Connecticut, and if you drove through my hometown, you would be like, "What the hell? This guy lived here? Yeah, it's a rough town. It's really rough, and it's gotten rougher over time. There's a lot of poverty." And the thing about living in poverty is that it scars you for life. You know, you make certain habits living in poverty and you never break them. Do you know, <laughs> I do this, I don't know if you do this. I sort of subconsciously measure out the amount of shaving cream that I put in my hand when I shave. I don't want to use too much because then I would be wasting money. And keep in mind, I'm a millionaire. I've made a ton of money. I don't need to be worrying about like two cents worth of shaving cream. But these are the thoughts that go through my head because this is the way that I was raised and this is where I was raised, you know. So I'm just trying to make the can of shaving cream last longer. <laughs> it's nuts. It's nuts. You know, I, I use the same razor blade for two months, maybe. Before getting a new one, although I'm, I'm I might not be alone in that because razor blades are super expensive, but I do I make razor blades last. So stuff like that, you never get out of these habits. Uh, like I talked about with the making bread, you know I went through a period in my life we got a bread machine and I was making bread every week to save like fifty four cents at the grocery store. <laughs> all this work, all this effort, all this mess got to clean up. I was saving like 54 cents. And we did this for years. You know, it was nuts. And that type of financial trauma is like in your body. Like it's it's in your cells. And you never get rid of it. You never, ever get rid of it, no matter how rich you get, you know. But you can use it to your advantage. So that type of frugality comes in handy no matter what you do. And it's how I run my business. I have a super cheap office. My office is $700 a month. I could get something a lot nicer, but this is what I do. 
when I travel for work, when I go when I go to New York, I stay at the Pod, and the Pod is it's a hotel with teeny tiny rooms. It's like those rooms you see in Tokyo with like just room for a twin bed and that's it. That's where I stay. You know, uh, it, it, a lot of people think I am nuts for staying in this place because the rooms are so small. I don't mind. I don't mind being in confined spaces. I was in the Coast Guard. I had a teeny tiny stateroom. It's about the size of the stateroom that I lived in. So I do not mind. And also in the pod, the beds are super comfy. It's got a safe for the laptop. It's it's everything I need. It's fine. And to tell you how much money I'm saving, you know, the pod used to be really cheap. It used to be like 70 bucks a night. Now it's like 200 bucks a night. But most hotels are like five hundred to eight hundred dollars a night. So if I'm going to New York for three days, you know I could be saving a thousand bucks. That like that's real money. It's real money, and I'm not uncomfortable. So these are the things that I do, you know. And also, it's a great location. It's super convenient. It's right near Grand Central. So I got you know I got nothing to complain about. A lot of people will pad the business expenses. They're like, ah, oh, it's, it's tax deductible. I'll spend the money. It's fine. But I'm like, no, that's less money for me. So I go cheap on everything. The one thing I don't cheap out on at all is clothes. I don't cheap out on clothes. Never. It's important for me to look good. It's part of my job. It's part of my business. Everything else I can cheap out on, you know, and... It's because of the way I was brought up. I grew up lower middle class and I got my clothes from yard sales and stuff like that. It's in my bones and I will never get rid of it. I have a friend who went through a similar experience. He actually grew up pretty wealthy in a wealthy town. But his dad's business was failing and they had to cut back on a bunch of stuff. They had to sell their furniture. They were selling cars. They were selling furniture. And my buddy, who's a great guy experienced shame because of this, you know, because he was the poor guy in a rich town. He experienced shame. So he is the cheapest person I know. And I could tell stories about that. We experience this financial trauma and it's in our bodies and it lives with us forever and it affects everything we do. It affects everything we do. One thing I always say is that it's very easy to take up your standard of living, but it's very difficult to take down your standard of living. So I'm very careful about taking up my standard of living because it's very painful to take it down. Like, can you imagine having to sell your house and move into a smaller house and put stuff in storage and sell your cars and get cheaper cars? Talk about trauma. Like, that would be really, really bad, not to mention the social implications because everybody in the neighborhood knows that you went bankrupt and you had to sell all this stuff. Look, I wish I were one of those other people. I wish I was one of those people who never worried about money. And I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But uh, I wish I was one of those people who never worried about money, who ran up lots of debt and never worried about it and had this great lifestyle and everything worked out okay. I am getting there, but it takes some work. There used to be an investment bank on Wall Street who hired people like me, and it was called Bear Stearns, and it ceased to exist in 2008. And the CEO liked to hire what he called PSD, PSD, Poor, Smart, and Determined. 
and it was a really weird place to work. I knew people who worked there. They had crazy stories about it. And, you know, they they gave you no resources. They gave you no computers, no anything. You had to scrounge it all up for yourself. They, they wouldn't even give you pens. <laughs> they used to save paper clips at that place. And it's that, that's bananas. Like, if you're... If you're at a Wall Street investment bank and you're counting paper clips, then I, I think your priorities are misplaced. But that was the culture of that place. And a lot of people fit right in there, you know. Um, th this is awesome. Somebody told me this one time. I know somebody who trades corporate bonds at a mutual fund, and he analyzes credit. This is a great story. He said... If the CEO of a company is wearing a $10,000 watch, you buy the bonds. If the CEO of a, of a company is wearing a $100,000 watch, you sell the bonds, which is classic. And the thought here is, you know, if you're the CEO, what does the average CEO make, like $10, $20 million a year, something like that? If you're the CEO of a publicly traded company, you're super rich, not to mention what you're getting paid in stock, and you can easily afford a $100,000 watch. But what kind of person does that? You know, if you buy, a, if you're a CEO and you buy a $100,000 watch, that says something about you as a person. It says you're a free spender. And it says that your spending habits in your personal life probably mirror how you're going to run the company. You know, you're not going to be thinking about cutting expenses, you know. Um, you know, a Rolex is a nice watch. You can get a Rolex Submariner for... $15,000. You get a Patek Philippe, but that is just excessive. And by the way, I have a few $10,000 watches, but I do not. Unfortunately, I do not have a $100,000 watch. That's a bit excessive. There is no reason to carry around this financial trauma. And I know that lots of you live with it on a daily basis. You know, growing up in poverty scars you for life and it changes it distorts your relationship with money it distorts your relationship with money but the good news is is that it gives us good financial habits it gives us good financial habits the bad news is we don't take full advantage of life we never get to the stage where we're thriving because we're always worried about surviving and human beings are very good at surviving. You know, we were, we were good at, at surviving as hunter gatherers. You know, you find food, you find a cave, you find shelter, but thriving is a different story altogether. We don't thrive and poor kids are not good at thriving because they're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. They're always waiting for something bad to happen. You know, when I was a Lehman, I used to bring cans of beans for lunch that cost 69 cents because I didn't want to spend 10 bucks on lunch. And some people were spending a lot more than that. Some people were ordering steaks from Del Frisco's and Bobby Vans and spending like $40 on lunch. I said, you guys are nuts. I had a can of beans. I had a can opener. I would open the can and I had a plastic fork and I would eat beans out of the can. And I was comically miserly. And today I have some perspective. It's not the little things that count. It's the big things. I say this all the time. You get the big things right, you don't have to worry about the little things. And it took me a long time to learn that, and I am still learning.